everybody. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Happy Tuesday morning. Week 1 is completely in the books. This is CBS Sports' daily and CBS Sports daily NFL podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm the host. This is the first of many Monday night super friend recaps. Uh, and unfortunately for the two old men on the East Coast with the kids, there was a craptastic Broncos Raiders game. Ryan Wilson, how would you describe your mood staring at that 1030 kickoff and knowing we wouldn't start podcasting until 1 a.m. Eastern? Good news. Fantastic first game to start at 7 p.m. Eastern time, which is right in my wheelhouse as an old person. I will say you guys weren't crazy about the, the second game. Breach may feel more like I do than you guys do, but I was pleasantly surprised with how John Gruden and, and more importantly, Derek Carr came out. And perhaps most important of all, that defense came out and whipped up on your on your uh, Super Bowl champs, or at least AFC West champs, Denver Broncos. Yeah, I didn't really think it would take uh, an entire minute for it to be thrown in my face, but here we are. I'm glad, glad. Uh, Sean, what would you uh, – look, listen, I don't like the – I mean, I don't, I don't like the Carr family. I don't like the Raiders. I wanted the Broncos to go in there and blast them. What? I don't, I can say I don't like the Carr family. I'm sure they're nice people, but they all blocked me on Twitter. I don't have to say I like them. Do I breach? I don't think you have to say you like them, but maybe you don't have to say you don't like okay, them. Fine. I would say I'm indifferent toward the Carr family and, but I do want the Broncos <laughs> to blast them. You know, would it be politically correct, Brenton? If I ever run for president, you are not going to be my campaign manager. It will probably be Wilson. I'm indifferent to the Carr family. I just think they're a little sensitive. And okay, I, I like Derek and, and David. I'm not a big Darren fan. You know what? What can I say? Sean, uh, how how concerned should Broncos fans be? Uh, we'll get to the, look. We'll do, let's just get this. Should we get the second game out of the way, or should we get the first game? Should we get the first game? Let's get this. It's your podcast, but we've already started talking about the last game. Right. How, just... how concerned should Broncos fans be with Vic Fangio right now as their head coach? He does have what appears to be a uh, fanny packless waistband going that's wrapped around his sweatshirt, so that's a plus. Uh, on the minus side, Von Miller Bradley Jump couldn't do anything, and the Broncos defense got shredded by Derek Carr and John Gruden's offense, who just lost Antonio Brown and only had Tyrell Williams as a weapon, and somehow managed to run Josh Jacobs 900 times for 3.5 yards per carry and destroy the Broncos. And worst of all, they appear to have Joe Flacco at quarterback, which is something I wasn't aware of when I chose them to win the AFC West. Yeah, I think the surprising thing wasn't how the offense looked. I think this is what a lot of us feared the offense would look with Joe Flacco behind that offensive line. Um, I actually thought the receivers played pretty well for them. Cortland Sutton balled out. Emmanuel Sanders looked pretty spry considering um, his age and what he's coming off of injury-wise. The concerning thing, as you mentioned, was the defense. I don't think they hit Derek Carr once that entire game. I'm not just saying that. It's not you know just a figure of speech. I don't think they recorded a single quarterback hit. And when you have Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, um, and you can't get a single hit on an offensive line that I don't think we were calling one of the best offensive lines they coming did, into the season. They did not, by the way, record a single quarterback hit in the game. So that's the concerning thing, because if you, you look at the offense and you say, look, the offense is not going to be good, but if we can – look, you picked the Broncos to win the AFC West because you thought they were going to run the ball well. You know, maybe Flacco would take care of the ball, and the defense would be very good because it's a talented defense, and they are coached by Vic Fangio. And the defense was just as bad as the offense tonight against an offense that they should have had their way with. Um, so that's a concerning thing for Denver. And it's week one, but I would say right now they look the, they look like the worst team in the division. 
I would point out that in addition to what Sean just talked about, the other expectation for that Broncos team, and I was sort of drinking Princeton's Kool-Aid for a while, then I I got off the sauce. But did, uh, did you get off the sauce? It feels like you just got off the sauce like three seconds ago after that game ended. Either three seconds or three weeks. We're not sure yet. We have to check the archives. But the, but, the, but the offensive line was actually not terrible last year. If you look at the advanced metrics, football outsiders had him. And I was sort of surprised by that. We know that Joe Flacco loved tight end. Tight ends, they drafted Noah Fant, who uh, ended up with uh, just two catches for 29 yards. He was targeted five times. He had a couple penalties that certainly didn't help. Uh, but, yeah, th- and this is the reoccurring theme as I was watching this football game. Joe Flacco, to, to quote Delani Walker, is who we thought he was. And, you know, Brinson can crown him if he wants, but the, the reality is he's, to, to coin a phrase, doo-doo. All right, and I'm not sure well, – I'm just going to jump in real quick. And I'm not sure if this is going to sound like an overreaction, but after watching that game, the Broncos have the worst head coach in the AFC West. They have the worst quarterback in the AFC West. They arguably have the worst offensive line in the AFC West. They are not going to win – Prince, I don't even want to do what Ryan just did and, and call into question your guess after one week – but I do not see a path for the Broncos to get to five wins this season. That was an nice. embarrassing performance. Vic Fangio is coaching like it's 1941, kicking field goals in the fourth quarter when you're down 21 to six. Who's he uh, think he none is? of Mike this Tomlin? made sense. What, what, Wilson? I said, who's he think he is? Mike Tomlin? I, I, yeah, I don't know what's going on. You have a chance to win a game. You go for it on fourth down. None of this made sense. The Broncos, I don't know if they were hyped during the offseason, but they are now the most overhyped team. After week one, I'm over I, the Broncos. I'm done with them. I think this makes the, sense. Look, the good news is that they have the Bears, Packers, Jaguars, Chargers, Titans, <laughs> Chiefs, Colts, and Browns on the schedule. Coming hey, up. Brenton, what's the over/under wins? Uh, it's uh, it's minus a hundred dollars. Just what it is. It's, it's probably down to two wins now. <laughs> it's uh Benjamin Franklin burning up in my hands. It's seven and a half, and it's dead. And and it's, it's dead. And okay. it's dead. No, I mean, look, seven and a half is still fine. The Panthers are seven and a half. Um. I, I, look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and I'm not gonna take a victory lap on Sunday and be like, woo, Vikings, I'm right! And then like come in here and be like, let's just settle down for a minute on the Broncos. Cause they look like crap. I do, I do think, and I, and I, I've said this for years and last year sort of shook me off of it. That late night Monday night football game always has some weird stuff happening. Like we saw, uh, Jeff Fisher, um, but oh no, it was the 49ers, Jim Tom Sula and the 49ers beat the Rams or something like that. It's like that wasn't that the Jim Tom Sula's undefeated game? It was like wasn't it like six nothing too, or like I yeah. remember we were working that game. Yeah, but it was like Jim Tom My point being is that I first of all, I'm not buying the Raiders. I'm still not buying the Raiders. I didn't think that the Raiders were that good. Uh you know, Josh Jacobs it was getting treated like he's Emmett Smith out there. I mean, he ran 23 times for 80, 85 yards and two touchdowns. Let's, let's take a breath, guys. Uh, don't want to, we're not going to dive into the broadcasting, but, uh, Derek Carr, they're like, Derek Carr's only has two incompletions tonight. It's like, well, he has, he's thrown on field once. In the beginning of the game, they were talking about how Derek Carr actually had a great year last year, but it flew under the radar because we kind of forgot about it because the Raiders were bad and they cited, his career high completion percentage is the reason for that. Right, exactly. Like uh, this is what's mind boggling is that did Vic Fangio spend any time this off season or at any point in his life watching John Gruden and Derek Carr last year? Because if you did that, you would know this is going to be a dink and dunk offense and that it was going to be Derek Carr dumping down to guys and then occasionally taking a shot. I mean, look, he did average, but I guess he averaged like. 10 yards per attempt somehow, but it, it just, that's huge for Derek Carr, by the way. Yeah, but it's like well, he always, was, he's always like eight yards per attempt, and it just doesn't make any sense. 
Um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the one guy I was really, really impressed with, uh, was, uh, Tyrell Williams. He showed up in a big way for, for the Raiders, I thought, and looks like he could be a, a legitimate, um, wide receiver one for the Raiders and a wide receiver two, two. in fantasy. What's that? I thought you meant two on the, he could be one and two on that team. Wide right, receiver. Right. Well, but then Darren Waller is the guy that you're going to have to wait, add. Wait, quick question. Yeah. Tyrell Williams or Devontae Parker? I, 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 I own Tyrell Williams. Look, this, we're taking to week one victory laps on season long bets. Settle down. Uh, uh, by the way, so he averaged 10, Derek Carr averaged 10 yards per attempt tonight. Um, that would be tied for his second highest in a single game for his career. He averages, uh, 6.7 yards per attempt. So this was completely out of the ordinary. I, I mean, I think if the Raiders offensive line is actually as good as they played, yes. uh, on Monday night, then I think the Raiders could actually win a few games because the one thing we know about Derek Carr is when he had that MVP caliber year, if he gets protected and he doesn't feel phantom pressure, he's not a bad thrower of the football. If he can stand back there and see his guys and throw it, he has a great arm. It's, it doesn't it's apply to every NFL quarterback. I mean, Mike Glennon could do that. No, but, but Carr, if you get, like, it's, it's like, no offense, Breaches, I'm not doing this to you, but it's just, it's like Andy Dalton. Like, if you get pressure on him, he's toast. The hell, yeah. Brenton. Right, and that's why we I think we thought the Broncos would win this game because we looked at the matchups and we saw Chubb and Miller and we thought Derek Carr is going to be seeing them in the backfield all game and it's going to be a nightmare for him. He didn't get touched. Trent Brown signed a huge contract, got moved to the right side, and stonewalled Von Miller all night. I mean, good for him. Like, he owned him. They owned him. They they got the ball out quickly. Joe Flacco was under crazy amounts of pressure. Cleveland Farrell was all up in his grill all night. And Derek Carr, like you said, Sean, didn't get hit once. How surprising were you to have this happen, Ryan? in the wake of the Antonio Brown debacle. I do wonder if this is an Antonio Brown dead cap bounce for the for the Raiders. I, I think it is. If going forward they're going to come down off the adrenaline high and, and knock on wood, all that nonsense. If I see knock on wood one more time on Twitter, uh, I'm going to throw my, <laughs> my, my, uh, my desktop Dell 300 out the window. You should throw your desk through the window because it's made of wood. Oh. And if anyone didn't watch Art Knox, that's John Gruden's thing. Guys, are you with me? Knock on wood. By the way, you know, win on Sunday, knock on wood. More impressive, knocking on wood or the fact that we learned today, because I didn't watch it at the end of the hard knocks, that John Gruden can count backwards from three. They acted like he was solving <laughs> some serious philosophical question by counting backwards. Okay. But, Confession, by the way, I quit watching hard knocks after like the second episode. Yeah. It was terrible. But that's right. what I learned today. But I do, I do wonder if this is going to be one of those things where they were so hyped up about not talking about Antonio Brown. They were at home. The fans were all. Hyped up about not having Antonio Brown. The fans Brown. were chanting F Antonio Brown. Like the entire. And understandably so. Sure, but like it takes a lot to get an entire stadium to scream at the F word and then the person's name. Do you see what happened with the 15 emergency podcasts we had? Yeah, yeah. I love that the Raiders, the team, the fans, they turned like hating Antonio Brown into their rallying cry. And that's not going to last all season. But the fact that they literally use that, like John Gruden looks like a genius. For all we know, this was his diabolical plan the whole time. Like, <laughs> I don't even care if Antonio Brown doesn't play for the team because I'm John Gruden and I'm the craziest person alive and anything I do goes. So like John Gruden, you just never know with him. Can I ask, um, can I ask he, he gets the last laugh because they won this game. Breach, I want to ask you something quickly since you're the um, barrister for California uh, wiretapping. What about the report that John Gruden was okay with Antonio Brown? It got, he actually approved Antonio Brown using his voice on the on the phone call for the hype but, video. But, but not just approved it, Breach. Also, they show, they showed him the video, and he's like, that's awesome, man. I love it. It's great. I love it. 
Yeah, I mean, that's Gruden. Like, he's just he, – he, Gruden does not care. All Gruden cares about is being on a football field and coaching football and being nuts and yelling at people and saying, hey, man, that's a good throw, Derek. Hey, Josh, that's a great run, man. That's all Gruden <laughs> wants to do. He doesn't care what's going on off the field or on YouTube or uh, with Antonio Brown's producer who's recording phone calls. He probably told him after the phone call, and he didn't even care. So I bet you – yeah, I, I think he was in the mode where he just wanted Antonio Brown at that point to play for them. So he was like, I don't like, why do I care if there's a YouTube video of me saying this? I, I think that is probably accurate. All right, let's move on because that game sucked. We don't need to spend 20 minutes on that. Are we, are we right? The game, look, it, it ruined my Broncos pick. I, I hate the Raiders. So it made me look. <laughs> Wait a second. We're not overreacting after week one though. You're, you're done with the Broncos. Uh, I mean, I would, I would obviously change my AFC West pick after the first week. The Chargers. <laughs> Chargers and Chiefs look awesome, and the Broncos look like dog crap. Yes, I mean, I'd change it. What do you, what do you, I mean, I'm not. How many wins do we think the Raiders end up with now? Because I feel like we're making bold predictions that they could go winless and. Uh, I, I still, I still don't think that they're a seven win team. And Ryan was like, I'll bet you my son that there's no chance that they can go seven wins. Ryan was betting me on the Raiders? Oh, nice. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you're the one I would bet. <laughs> I, I would say like, if you're a Raiders fan, you should soak up this win because look, you turn around at six days, you play the Chiefs, then you play the Vikings. This is all going to come crashing down. So get drunk, celebrate tonight, celebrate all week. Wear your Antonio Brown jersey that you painted black. So it's an 81 Tim Brown jersey. Get excited because uh, you're not going to win your next two games. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing too about the Raiders. When we said they could start 0 and 7, it was predicated on they will lose to the Broncos in week one, obviously. Yeah, that's, but, how, that's how it works. Yes, but. <laughs> thank you for explaining how that one. Yes, thank you. Bags of D's. Uh, but the, uh, the, the, but the easiest game was, in fact, the Broncos game. Now they have the Chiefs at home, at the Vikings, at the Colts, Bears in London, and then they come back from London on their bye, and then have at Packers, at Texans. And also uh, worth pointing out, since we're going to move on from this game, we're not moving on from this game, as Breach, wrote about in the summer they travel more miles than any other nfl team they haven't traveled yet so that was a home well, game for them I, I, can't, I can't imagine that's why breach is raising his hand to make a point probably not at all i really oh, no, I, was, I was just raising my hand oh, my because God. i wanted to throw in a real quick gruden quote he was asked about antonio brown after the game his quote was there were no distractions we were ready to roll tonight and i am never going to bring it up again unquote Classic Gruden, guys. Classic you Gruden. You can't. This is like the guy, like you, like you, like your buddy goes and gets married and gets it annulled like six months later. He's like, I just don't really want to talk about it. It's like, what do you mean? You, you married someone. You don't want, ever bring it up again, guys. It's, it's over. I, just don't I think we just got to give him time. You know, like it's still fresh. I, I, I think this is a after the season question for him. Did he, uh, I'm not going to answer it after the season. Did Gruden in the press conference by going 50, 47, 44, 41, 38. Like, like, yeah, John, my son can do that. Yeah. And he's five. I don't know if you guys know this. I have a five-year-old. All right, moving along to the better game of the evening. A thrilling 30 to 28. By the way, the Raiders beat the, the Broncos 24 to 16. I don't think we mentioned that. A thrilling 30 to 28 victory by the Saints over the Houston Texans in the Superdome that featured not one, but potentially two and maybe even three ref controversies. It also featured, John, an incredible stretch of events down the end. Why don't you break it down for us? I mean, the whole thing, if you did not watch this game, you need to get to a DVR, get NFL Game Pass, do something, and at least watch the final minute because it was absolutely bananas. 
Uh, By the, the way, Saints, the, the score of this game was 14 to three at half. It was not a wild game. And, and the Texans were winning. The yeah. Texans were winning 14 to three at half. We get into the final minute. The Saints kick a 47 yard field goal to go up 27 21. It looks like game over. Okay. So the Texans take over in their own 25 yard line. No timeouts. They have 50 seconds and they have to score a touchdown. Boom. Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins for 38 yards. Boom. One play later to De- Devon Still, 37-yard touchdown. Kenny Stills. Kenny Stills. I get my Devontae Parker and oh, Kenny Devon Stills. Still, the old All bingo. my Dolphins receivers mixed up. Yeah. Anyway, 37-yard touchdown. Now it's 27-27. to 27. What happens on the extra point? The Texans miss it. Oh, my God. That was the craziest thing ever. But then a Saints defender nicked the kicker's foot, and they called roughing the kicker. So the Saints got to try it over. Made the extra point. Now it's 28-27. Then Bill O'Brien with the worst coaching, which we'll talk about later. I'm sure it's still irking Sean. Uh, just puts the Texans out in a horrible defense. Drew Brees drives straight down the field. Will Lutz kicks a 58-yard field goal, and the Saints win 30-28. to Sean tweeted let's, about it at least 19 times, so go ahead, Sean. Take it away. Let's, let's talk about what the Texans did to blow this game, which was there were six seconds remaining. Uh, the Saints had the ball at the 49-yard line and had one timeout left. So everyone in the world knows what they're going to try to do is throw a 5- to 10-yard pass, Not go yet. down and call a timeout, uh, and kick a field goal on the last play of the game. So what did the Texans do? A, they rushed two guys. They dropped everyone back in coverage. Ted Ginn, who ends up making the catch. Like Hail Mary coverage. Yes, well, Ted Ginn, who ends up making the catch, the guy who's guarding him is seven yards away from him off the line of scrimmage. Behind behind their their cover guys, they have three safeties spread across the 25-yard line. They were almost playing for a Hail Mary. And what happened is Breeze takes the shotgun snap and immediately gets it out to Ted Ginn, who gives himself up. And it takes four seconds to get nine yards. And so, then the Saints did have one timeout left. So they had the whole field open to them. They could throw it to the middle of the sideline anywhere they wanted. So it seemed like the Texans thought that they were going to throw a Hail Mary or something like that. There was no reason to put guys at the 25-yard line. Look, if you're the Texans— and this in the Saints see a you know tight matchup on the outside and they say, Oh, let's take a shot deep. You're absolutely letting that happen, being like, Okay, if you want to take one shot deep and that's the game, we'll take that. Um and instead they gave them a bunch of underneath cover uh, uh short underneath passes. Um I have no idea what they were doing. This I mean, we were talking about in Slack about Bill O'Brien if he's a good coach or not. You also gotta put it on Romeo Cornell, the defensive coordinator, but you would think the head coach would see it. Um, it'd be able to at least talk about it. And this is something that should be planned in practice and you should know what you're doing. Uh, and very clearly they did not. And if uh, the Saints had taken that deep shot real quick with six seconds left, oh, there's only two things that can happen. They're both good for the Texans. You catch it. Maybe you get tackled. Time, time probably runs out if you're going deep, unless your guy scores. And if it's an incomplete pass, then the Saints have to try a 66 yard field goal. So it was just. Putting guys out, your defensive players out of the 25-yard line made no sense. I don't know what Bill O'Brien was thinking. I don't know what Romeo Cornell was thinking. I got two things. Uh, Romeo Cornell extends my theory about former Belichick coaches, for some reason, having brain cramps in the most critical situations. Two of them in this Bill, case. Bill O'Brien does it, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, Wilson that, hates ex-Belichick coaches. Wilson really does. I'm going to say this. You can, you can make that joke. You're lucky that Matt Patricia's alive. Otherwise, I'd really hate you, Romeo. Cornell. I have one more point to make about uh, about this game. But before I make that point, I want to preview. The Dolphins are going to beat the Patriots because it's going to be the same Matt Patricia, Bill Belichick thing we saw last year where he helps out his former assistant. I'm just calling it now. Okay. <laughs> the last point I want to make, though, about this game is, and I thought about this immediately, the coverage was idiotic. It didn't make any sense. Sean touched on those points and Breach touched on those points. But what if the defender who – 
tackled Ted Ginn, backed off of Ted Ginn, and just stood there. Because you can't call a timeout with a play still going on. I know the player can give himself up, but there are only two seconds left. So you can't just hustle and call a timeout as Ginn goes down with two seconds on the clock. At the very least, just stand there and see what happens. If Ted Ginn gets up, that's great. If he doesn't, you have a better chance in tackling him immediately, which makes zero sense. I should be a defensive coordinator. <laughs> yes, that that will that will uh, that plus a couple of fire zone blitzes, and you're good to go. Um, <laughs> but it is it is unbelievable how this like this stuff happens in the moment, and you're like, do you do you did you never play Madden? Like because not like Madden solves anything, but like Bill O'Brien used a timeout, called a timeout in the first half. He calls a timeout and then challenges a play, loses the challenge, and therefore lost two challenges on two timeouts on one play. That's hard to do. I'm not even mad. I'm amazed. Additionally, on a non-coaching angle, how about these referees on the final minute, the closing minutes of the of the first half? Uh, Drew Brees. Wings a ball down the field. Michael Thomas makes a great catch, lunges to back, and picks up a first down. The referees did not rule that it was picked up a first down. The clock continues to run. It was 42 seconds when he landed on there. Um, Saints get up there. They run a QB sneak with 28 seconds left. Drew Brees gets the first down, but the referees come in screaming, no, no, wait, we got to review it. We got to review it. So they go over and look, and they're like, all right, he did get the first down. Unfortunately, Sean... Um, Sean Payton, not Sean Wagner. You've, we've got to run 10 seconds off the clock or you can call a timeout. There's 26 seconds on the clock at this point, according to the referees. Sean Payton wisely is like, just run the 10 seconds and then we'll run a play and we'll call timeout or spike. You know, we'll do what we got to do. So they go ahead with that. No one, no one in this freaking stadium realizes that there should be 42 seconds on the clock because you have to stop at the point when the play ended. You can't charge them for sprinting up and running a play in terms of time and then run off another 10 seconds. What the hell? Who is watching this? What is Al River on doing? Is he eating like Swedish meatballs on a toothpick and like sipping a pina colada in New York? What is happening? Why isn't he in control of this? Someone should be watching this and fixing and what happens, it drives me nuts. And you would think they would have had 25 people in the booth in New York to make sure there were no mistakes in this game. Of all the teams on national television, it is the freaking New Orleans Saints. Every single person who works at NFL headquarters should have been the review booth to make sure they didn't botch anything. And literally, I mean, if the Saints lost this game by one point because they didn't get 10 yards closer because of that 15 seconds they lost where they could have made a field goal, I, that would have just been insane, insane. So that, it was just amazing they botched that. I just want to point out that three former NFL officials knew immediately that they botched the call. My prayer, Dean Blandino and John Perry, who's the new guy in the booth for ESPN, who I thought did a really good job. He was on the stick about everything. But again, they guy, they got more airtime than uh, than the yellow. That guy got more airtime than the yellow, uh, yellow down yeah. and distance marker, which is eradicated. I saw, I saw Brenton uh, taking the Twitter to to fight that cause. I'm sure he'll take credit for that. Exactly, he's, he's definitely he's taking credit for this. Now. Not all heroes wear capes, gentlemen. Um, no, 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 Pereira's tweet was like. I might be crazy, but I'm pretty sure it's like he was trying to politely frame like these morons don't know what they're doing. <laughs> and then though in very weird in a very weird situation, I would love to find out um whether I assume this is not in person, but Larry Holder, a friend of the podcast, who works now for the Athletic New Orleans, did a he was the pool reporter and he talked to Al Riveron. He got a quote from Al Riveron about the situation, which is not what the pool reporter does. They usually talk to the referee who's at the game. 
But apparently Al Riveron got on the phone or, or was there with, with Larry Holder was like, basically like, well, and he gave this long-winded explanation that amounted to, we bleeped it up. So I'm wrong. But I just don't get why you can't just, just call timeout. Everybody take a breath and fix it. Why can't you do that? How is there no one catching that mistake? That is a basic clock mistake. John Perry said this too in the booth. He's like, you can't have this. It's yeah. a basic clock mistake under two minutes. It's unbelievable. And he almost calls were, um, You said there were two other instances of officials messing up. What else? Uh, well, the, the missed extra point, if they had lost on that roughing call, which th- that was a little bit more understandable because you see them miss those kinds of calls, you know, with good acting jobs. But if the Saints, lose that game because of that roughing the kicker call in the missed extra point. I will say, I I underplayed that. That that was absolutely a flag because he came down on the plant foot and the kicker was kind of fault. Like, the the, the Texas kicker was a kicker. He didn't flop. You can tell when a kicker flops and he didn't flop. He kind of had his leg bent into. uh, But yeah, again, but throwing that flag and having the guts to do that, even though you just botched the end of the first half, and now you're botching the end of the second half possibly – uh, so that's the whole thing was a problem. What was the third one? Yeah, what was the third one? I said two, maybe three. I gotta get oh, okay. Um, I said there was something else. What was it? Didn't matter because Lutz LOL'd it. See what I did there? And also, it was officiating aside. You gonna let him get away with that, Sean? I didn't get that. Do you get that? No. L-O-L-U-L-Z-L-U. Nah, forget it. Go ahead. What? Go ahead. That was a Lutz joke. That was funny. I get it. Uh, Deepo just sent me a note. He said, don't worry. Tell Ryan I can edit that out. He's <laughs> <laughs> got dunked on. Yeah, no, I, I, I Deepo didn't say that, but Brenton did dunk on me. Uh, Sean, uh, you well, get the assist by looking there. One That's more it. thing we need. One more thing we need. Yeah. Actually, Deepo did send me a note. He's 100% right. And I was thinking the same thing. We had a little mind melt going on. We got to talk about this Deshaun Watson problem because he ain't making it. Oh, 16, he ain't making it 16 games, Ryan. He's just not. So I was thinking about this during the game, and do you guys know off the top of your head what they gave up for Laramie Tunsil? 14 first-round picks or something? <laughs> Two first-round picks. They overreacted. And Laramie Tunsil looked terrible, but that's because he's been there for five days. Yeah. If they had just drafted up, moved also, up. Also, he, also, he's not five, four other offensive linemen. Like, that's the other thing. If they had moved up one spot in the draft, gotten Andre Dillard at 22 instead of letting the Eagles get him, Saved all those draft picks. You give up a fourth or a third round pick or whatever, just move up one spot to get the guy you want instead of taking Titus Howard, who went to a small school and I think he, he was inactive today because he was hurt. Sharping the second round pick is from a small school. He didn't play very much, if at all. I saw him on the sideline standing there. And you build that way. I, they signed your boy Khalil. They had to cut him because he was so terrible. Deshaun Watson took an absolute whooping. And I think Sean may have tweeted this during the game, but he mentioned maybe Kyle Shanahan getting fired. We talked about it in the last podcast. Ends up in, in Houston. You can't play in Houston and Kyle Shanahan anywhere in Kyle Shanahan's system and have your quarterback running around and sort of freelancing because he's running for his life. It's not all Deshaun Watson's fault. So, yeah, he's on pace for 457 sacks this season, which isn't going to work out. He was in the blue tin a couple times because of the back issue. Brinson, you mentioned this during the game on that hit that hurt his back. It looked like he may have jacked up his knee, so luckily that didn't happen. Um, and so this is not going to work. He's going to be in a bus to the next home game or to the next away game because he can't get on an airplane anymore. And I, I don't know how this ends well for Deshaun Watson. One, one last thing, and, and I'm glad you're going to talk next, Sean. I, what else? What, what I was also thinking: if Deshaun Watson were in Chicago, they would be Super Bowl contenders, legit well, I was, contenders. No question asked. I was going to say is that the biggest shame out of all of this is that we're talking about how he's not going to make it through the season, and he was awesome. I think he's the second most fun quarterback in the league to watch. 
I, uh, behind Mahomes. I think you're right. I, they were just showing. I don't know if it was on in your in your house too, or your whatever little shanty you live in. Um, <laughs> Hostel. Uh, I mean, I'm having a sweaty apartment too. Um, those two throws. I mean, he scored. So they scored in 13 game seconds because after the kickoff ran five seconds down, they he scored in 13 game seconds on two plays, and it's just. They were just lasers. They were just, I'm, I'm clutch and these are lasers. I mean, that's what it just came out and fired two lasers. It was freaking awesome. And the and second the way, laser, he got jacked. There was, yeah, there's a lot of arguments from last year, which I, I understand is that Deshaun Watson contributed to his sack problem by holding on to the ball too long and taking unnecessary hits. I'm convinced he, he saves just as many plays from getting sacked because of his athleticism. So I don't really think that's he a all evens out. Yeah, I, yeah, because I think there's so many instances where someone will tweet a screenshot, and be like, Deshaun Watson didn't get sacked on this play, and he's surrounded by four players, and he somehow escapes it. Uh, so I think he's incredible, and that's why I still think, I mean, it's a big if, if, if he can stay healthy, why I would pick the Texans to win the division, just because he is so much better than any of the other quarterbacks in that division. Um, I mean, I think if you were doing a draft of players under 25, or just a draft of players, he would be the second pick, I think, but... Behind Mahomes, it's, 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 you take over. Ryan Pace. Oh, ouch. It's an insult uh, to Gardner Minshew. Uh, no, it would be the. I think the calling th- Watson the best quarterback in the you're, If you were if you were starting a franchise and you knew that you would have your job for 15 years, um, you would go Mahomes one, and then it would be Watson or Mayfield two or three, and I, I probably at this point um, would go Watson. Yeah, so over the, Mayfield. Yeah, I think so. And I think, I mean, I think that was the case. You can make a case. I mean, Mayfield's pretty close, but Watson has, Watson has done it. Watson won a, a national title at Clemson and he beat Nick Saban's Alabama teams multiple times. Um, and he has proven that he can take the Texans to the playoffs. So sure, I'm fine with it. What I'm concerned about in addition to the Texans offensive line is their defense. And we know, we knew this was probably going to be an issue, but we've talked about how there are a stars and scrubs defense. Except one of their stars, J.J. Watt, uh, was completely invisible. Um, according to NFL research, it was the first time in his career he's failed to record at least one tackle or one hit. Um, and he's played in 105 career games. He was completely invisible. Now the Saints offensive line is really good. Uh, but this was the first time in a while I feel like that I've watched a Texans game and I've forgotten that J.J. Watt is on the field. Usually that's all you can see when you're watching them on defense. And we talked about the impact of, you know, not getting Dillard in the draft and having to trade away Clowney. Suddenly you don't have Clowney on the defense, and if J.J. Watt is not anything what he used to be, that this defense could be terrible. Well, and that's what I was just going to say, is that Clowney was in 62 of those 104 games where J.J. Watt was just shredding people. And so you're Bill O'Brien. You gave away, you might have just lost two defensive stars because now Clowney's gone and Watt lost the guy that was helping him on the line. And now you get Laramie Tunsil instead and your line, offensive line is still just getting torn up and destroyed and letting your quarterback get six times, sacked six times. Sean Watson's on pace to get sacked 96 times this year. Led the league last year getting sacked 62 times. It didn't even seem possible that that might get topped. And now it seems like it's definitely going to happen. So, that trade, every trade Bill O'Brien has made, which they fawned over kind of on the broadcast, like, oh, these all made sense. Uh, they all look worse after this game, like a lot worse. So, yeah, I think Bill O'Brien's trade acumen should be questioned, and maybe they should not let him be the de facto general manager anymore. I'm laughing at a p- picture of Pete Prisco. Do you guys want to see it? <laughs> <laughs> Who sent that out? 
uh, Jamie Eisenberg's in it. I'm with you, John. No, look, Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien's acquired too much power. And I think that this Texans team, and this is what sucks is like, and I tweeted this a couple of times, but I really do mean it. If you, if you ruined Deshaun Watson, you should probably go to jail. Like, like that should, I don't think that's how the law works, Brinson, but like, does anybody, if you're just, vigilante justice. I mean, like, if you, if you manage to, to, and we don't even know if Bill, Bill O'Brien really wanted to draft Deshaun Watson. We, we don't know the, the machinations of what went on behind the scenes before Rick Smith left and, um, and, and, and after Brian Gain came in and then, and then got booted. I mean, look. He's, he's got Larry Tunsil. He's just, they keep running him. They keep running to Sean Watson. It's like, what are you trying to murder this guy? He's, he's the only thing propping your well, team up and you have no future first round picks. I'm glad you brought up the play selection because you know what really hurts too is the number of times they get into a second and 11 situation or second and nine and they run the ball for two yards. You know what hurts your offense, a terrible offensive line is when you're stuck in third and passing situations and the defense doesn't have to respect the run and they can just rush the passer without worrying about a running back, you know, blowing pop by them. So they feel his like, play they, selection does not make the offensive line's job any easier. They feel like a poor, uh, poor man's, uh, Seahawks. Does that make sense? Cause it's yeah. like, like they just rely on Deshaun Watson's magic. All right. The, the quarterback knows how to avoid taking hits in Seattle. By the way, the final word I think deserves to go to our editor, R.J. White, who tweeted, what a horrendous job by the Texans coach tonight. The Texans GM should think about firing him. That That is right. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about some week one overreactions, and uh, we'll take a look early look at some week two lines. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. All right. Back from the break. First up, let's we're gonna dive into these lines real quick because the overreaction to end up taking hey, so much time. Brent, sorry, quickly, we didn't even talk about the Saints. <laughs> Did we not talk about the Saints? Not the Saints offense. I just want to. Debo kept saying break, break, break. I was like, right, fine. I just want to mention quickly. I'm I'm worried about Drew Brees. I'll leave it at that. But if we want to talk about oh. that later, if we can. But oh. I, I'm not sold on Drew Brees. All right, overreaction number one: Drew Brees is washed. What's your thought, Ryan? He didn't look great, and I think the Texans dominated that game for 
three quarters worth, 45 minutes worth of football. And then, you know, we talked about the Bill O'Brien effect taking over. If the football game was two and a half quarters, they'd, they'd win every game maybe. But uh, Drew Brees looked rattled. He, his arm strength looks worse than ever. I mean, you can, you can sort of juxtapose him with what Tom Brady did against the Steelers, and it's not even close. Now, you look at his stats, like, oh, Drew Brees is Drew Brees. I don't know how much longer they can go with this. I'll just That's where I'm at. I'll say the argument against that real quick is that, and you were talking about this with the Steelers yesterday, is that the Saints just kind of suck in September. This They had lost five straight openers before this year. Uh, so they always seem to struggle for whatever reason, whether it's because the offense hasn't gelled yet, whether it's because uh, Drew Brees has no idea what he's doing yet. He is not comfortable running the offense yet. I don't know because he's been there forever. You wouldn't think that's ever an issue. But if you look at their record in September dating back to 2015, they are 5-9. and nine. So they just always struggle early in the season. And it's like we do when sometimes the Patriots lose early season games. You kind of write them off. And then they win 10 games in a row. And you're like, I can't believe we were ever talking about this. So I would not overreact like Wilson is after one game. But if he does this, you know, against the Rams in week two or in week three, week four, and we get to October, then there's some concern. But sorry, Wilson, I'm not on the Drew Brees regression, regression bandwagon. I, I, I see Wilson's point, but um, I still think this team is a playoff worthy team because even if Brees' arm is shot and it did not look great even on some of his deep completions they kind of lagged behind the receiver I think this team is so stacked offensively I mean we just talked about that offensive line completely shutting down the Texans defensive front which should be in theory the strength of their defense you have Alvin Kamara running wild Michael Thomas um, is one of the best receivers if not you can make an argument he is the best receiver Ted Ginn continues to do what Ted Ginn does um, and you know, you have Sean Payton putting in 2007. It's insane. I was thinking about he that. He does one thing too. He's such a specialized player, but he does it so well that he somehow managed to carve out this incredibly long career. And with Sean Payton, I just feel like it's even if Drew Brees has lost a little something on this fastball, I think he's going to be put in such good situations throughout the year that the Saints offense will be fine. Last right. month of the season, he looked like they do. All right, uh, the overreaction, the next overreaction, the Miami Dolphins won't win a game this season. I bring it up because it's worth noting that the Patriots are minus 18 at the Miami Dolphins. That is a monster line. It opened at like 11. It shot up quickly. It's still moving up. It, I think it popped up at like 16 on, on my site, and now it's 18. Uh, worth noting, for those of you out there who want to get a bet in on Tuesday morning, and why wouldn't you, the, Do- the Patriots are 10-0 and to the under since 2008 when they're a road favorite of double digits or more. In other words... They go in there and they're going to win 24 to three and it's going to be a low scoring game. Hot Miami, like the under in that spot. Uh, by, uh, you, overreaction or not, Ryan, that the that the Dolphins won't win a single game. I told you what's going to happen. Brian Flores is going to be gifted a win in week two by Bill Belichick, just like Bill Belichick did last year for Matt Patricia, who is by all accounts the worst coach in the league, even with Matt, even with, uh, Brian Flores in the league. So, uh, not only will the Patriots not cover, they're going to lose the first game in Miami, where I hope it's going to be 120 degrees. Big day for Ryan Fitzmagic. This is my favorite Ryan conspiracy theory. <laughs> if this if this happens, Ryan might do the, the podcast in a tank top next week. I'm going to make it. Let's postpone going to video then by a week. Um, I wanted to say overreaction, 
because there's just 15 more chances you're a professional football team. Ryan Fitzpatrick is capable of getting hot. Then I went and I looked at their schedule, and I pretty much only found like two games that I can conceivably. Are you counting the Bengals? See, I was going to be nice to breach and not put the Bengals on there. Because Redskins at home, Bills at home, Bengals at home. Oh, I've had. You guys not watch Week One? Andy Dalton threw for eight hundred yards against. I didn't include it on my list because I don't think the Bengals are good, but I think they're in a different tier of bad than the Dolphins. So I say it's fair. I think they have a decent chance of doing it. So I, I would, if you ask me to bet, I would take that they don't win a game. Wow. I, uh, I don't think that's overreaction either. I think that 0 and 16 is completely possible. I think it's going to happen. You know, I think the Dolphins should celebrate it. Like go full tank, buy a literal tank, but not like a, you know, a driving tank, a military tank, but a dolphin tank. And then put a dolphin in the tank every time you lose. And at the end of the season, there'll be 16 dolphins and give them to charity or something. I don't care, but I think they're going to go 0 and 16. I love, I love that you thought anyone thought it might be a military tank when they are the dolphins. Like, like I was immediately like, obviously it's a fish tank. You can blow the team up. You, what, John. I thought he was talking about a tank top at first. To <laughs> uh, okay. All right. There you go. Um, not a tank top. A, not a military tank. A dolphin tank. Like, you know, you would keep snowflake in. Do you, do you talk to this dolphin? Um, what's more likely that the dolphins go 0 and 16 or the Patriots go 16 and 0? I think the Patriots going 16 and 0 is way more likely. Well, actually, it's kind of even. You know what? I take it all back. Ryan's conspiracy theory has me freaked out because I'm afraid that Belichick might throw this game to Flores just to throw him a bone. So the whoever wins or loses after this week becomes the more likely one. But obviously, because that eliminates one, I am going to say, because I love the fish tank idea, that Dolphins 0-16 is more likely. <laughs> All right. Uh, overreaction or underreaction, Sean? Patrick Mahomes will exceed last year's numbers. No. <laughs> I think it's I think it's I think it's fair to say that after what we saw. I my prediction is that he throws for more yards than he did last year, which is right around 5000, but he finishes with fewer touchdowns than 50. That's my prediction. So I think he will exceed it in yards but not in touchdowns. No Tyreek Hill is a problem. I mean, bad ankle, bad ankle they have too. they have Devontae Parker. I mean, Sammy Watkins there. Oh, you, you got dunked on. Um, over uh, overreaction breach. Dak Prescott will be the highest paid quarterback in the league in league history by this time next week, and he deserves it. Uh, overreaction on next week. I think Jerry Jones is lying to us, or I don't think he knows what eminent means, but I do think. <laughs> Dak Prescott is going to be eventually be the highest-paid quarterback. I think they're going to have to suck it up, give him more than Russell Wilson money, uh, but it might be a few weeks, maybe even a few months. But I do think he deserves it. I think that we, we talked a lot this weekend about the Cowboys possibly being a Super Bowl contender, and if they are, Dak's a huge part of that. And if the Cowboys think he's a huge part of it, then you just write the check. Jerry, write him the freaking check. Mm. Uh, all right, overreaction, underreaction. Ryan, a first-year head coach won't make it till the end of the season. And I bring up these first-year head coaches. We'll say LaFleur, the flower, Freddie Kitchens, Brian Flores, who's going to win next week, uh, Adam Gay. Well, I don't know if we count Adam Gase or Bruce Arians. Zach Taylor, who, by the way, very interesting, the line on the Bengals game, they opened up at plus two and a half at home. They're already minus one. That means the – Can't say uh, 49ers. 
49ers. I love the Bengals in that spot. I was, I thought they were going to be dogs and it moved really fast. Like it moved Monday afternoon. It shifted all the way over. Um, I think Cincinnati's going to win that game handily. Um, cause the 49ers are terrible. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, also a big move. The over under Heath Cummings and I mentioned this on Monday morning. I, I hope people are following us on Twitter. The Vikings, the, uh, the Cardinals Ravens over under opened at 42. That's just way too low. The Cardinals run a ton of plays. They're the Ravens score. might score 42 on their own. That's what I'm saying. The Cardinals can't stop anybody. So he's at 42? 42. It's already up to 46 and a half. So I don't know if I'd pep- might score 46 and a half on their own. I still like the over. But anyway, uh, to, uh, does that first year head coach get fired? Right. Yeah, you didn't mention Vic Fangio in that list that Diva put together. So <laughs> I, actually, I, there was one more name on there, and I'm sorry, I forgot it. Okay, that's fine. You kept getting sidetracked by the the betting. So he can't, he can't fire back. To, he can't fire Vance Joseph and Vic Fangio back to back. John Breach, Matt Lafleur isn't getting fired. Freddie Kitchens, they'll keep him around. I feel like, although Jimmy Haslam has a, a trigger finger, we'll see. Brian Flores is going to be gifted a win next week. You said Adam Gase, yeah, he shouldn't be on this list. Adam Gase deserves to be fired. I watched that game again this morning on Tuesday, uh, Monday morning. That was incredibly difficult to watch. Josh Allen actually played pretty well. Adam Gase got out coached by my man Sean McDermott, Sean Wagner McGuff. Sean McDermott went to win. Face swimmy. Yep. So I'm dunked on. I just, I'm, anyone, I'm not going to interrupt. Keep going, Ryan. It, thank you, Sean. If anyone on this list were not to be a head coach in say two and a half months, I would go with Adam Gase for the way he's underachieved and Bruce Arians just for health reasons. Like he might be like, you know what? Watching Jameis Winston throw 15 interceptions a game, my heart can't take it. I'm out. Um, all right. Uh, over, oh, overreaction, underreaction. Sean, the Vikings will win the NFC North. Overreaction. That's uh, your lie. Oh, no, I think it's, I think it could happen. That's a horrible take, but Sean. I thought. <laughs> I mean, I picked them to make the playoffs. Um, I think it could happen, but I don't think one week suddenly makes them the favorite. Um, they still got to play the Bears and Packers twice um, each, and I still – we talked about it, how how many dropbacks did Kirk Cousins have in week eight one? He was 8 for 10 for 98 yards. I still would like to see how the Vikings plan to block against both the Bears and the Packers. The Packers' uh, defensive front destroyed the Bears – offensive line which is a lot better than the vikings so until i see how they can match up against those divisional teams i'm gonna call it an overreaction i think they're a playoff team and they're gonna be in the hunt for it but i don't think you can say it's the division is theirs you know what sean i hate to tell you this but you're actually correct the week one did not make them the favorites the packers are the favorites on uh offshore betting plus 175 the vikings are plus 180 the bears are plus 2500 uh, and then the, the, the Lions are ahead of the Bears, and then no, I'm just kidding, the Bears are plus 240. <laughs> one, uh, one, one team I would tell people to go bet on, if this is still out there, the Cowboys are plus 150 to win the NFC East. I think that's good value. Like, I, I think it's going to be close between them and the Eagles. I, I, I think I was wrong about the Eagles being that far ahead of the Cowboys. And it's I trust- Just week one though, it's just week one. I know you're- I know, but I, I I think it's just going to be a close race, and I trust Dak Prescott to be healthy for 16 games, and I don't trust Carson Wentz. So I'd yeah. rather I'd rather get plus 150 than minus 140 if I'm if I'm picking in that division. Um, the Seahawks four to one, yeesh, fell back, tied with the 49ers for some bizarre reason. What? No, that's not true. The Patriots minus 1200. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> this I've never seen this in my entire life. This is incredible. What do you think the Dolphins' odds are to win the division? Oh, 
Off the pass, five thousand yeah. to one. No. All right. The know. odds are better than that, correct? Yes. <laughs> okay. A thousand. Uh, they're very five, close. Five hundred to one. That's what I was going to say. Five hundred to one to win the division after the first week of the season. That is something else. The Jets are actually fifteen to one, which is not terrible. Um, Ravens are the new favorites, tied in a three-way battle with the Browns and the Steelers in that division, and that's all that's up right now. Um, uh, Kyler Murray's a lock to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, uh, overreaction or underreaction, Ryan? It seems like it, especially if Cliff Kingsbury refused to kick field goals like he was doing all day against the Lions on Sunday. Um, who, who? I'm trying to think who would be the backup. Daniel Jones, we don't know if he's going to play. Dwayne Haskins, if he's going to play. Hey, Gardner Minshew might be a dark horse candidate to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. He was 23 for 25 through 13 uh, straight completions. They're probably going to run, uh, have to throw the ball a little bit because I, I don't think Leonard Fournette is going to do much. That's just me. So um, I'll go Kyler Murray is a lock, but Gardner Minshew and his mustache are, are going to be sneaking up behind him. What about Josh Jacobs? Big game, 100 scrimmage yards, two touchdowns. I think first rookie to do that in Danian Tomlinson. What about who? Hawkinson. Oh, that's a good call. Oh, wait. I forgot. One other guy, Garrett Hollywood Brad- Brown. No, Garrett Bradbury. We forgot about him. A.J. <laughs> Brown, D.K. Metcalf, A.J. Brown. Come on, Ryan. You, these are your guys. You're supposed to be a, a draft guy. After Dalvin Cook's big performance, did Garrett Bradbury's odds improve? <laughs> he had slippery Did we see any movement on the line? No. If this happens, it's going to be an all-time you got dunked on situation. It's not going to happen. We need to find an offshore bookie who is willing to give Brenton odds on Garrett Bradbury winning. I mean, it'd be like 10,000 to one. I'll put $25 on it. I, I think that was the other bet I was willing to take in addition to the Trubisky bet now that I think about it. All right. If you yeah. give me 1,000 to one, I'll bet $25 on it. D- done. So you owe me 30 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> you can bet. The thing real. is, we're Wilson's not, the official bookie of the podcast. You're not going to win either of those bets, but if Wilson just gets into this habit, eventually, like in a year or so, we Catch can call him into giving one, like a pretty good one. And then we bankrupt him. Well, I mean, imagine if Garrett Bradbury does it and he owes me $25,000. <laughs> so first offensive, and like it's me and Garrett Bradbury up there celebrating offensive rookie of the year. Oh my God, you'd be at NFL Honors live blocking it as you gave me. Know. You'd be like, like Garrett Bradbury just out, dog just passes out, has to hand me a check for 25 grand. No, no, you look over, you hear a bunch of noise and you look over and I knock over a bunch of desks running out of the room. Poor <laughs> scum. All right, last one. We'll get out of here. Overreaction or not, John Breach? Andy Dalton will win MVP. Well, I mean, it's a fact, so it's not an overreaction or underreaction. Andy Dalton is going to throw for 400 yards in every single team he plays this year, so he's going to end with, I can't even do that math in my head, but it's over 6,000 yards. Nobody's ever done it. Andy Dalton forever. And I'll get an Andy Dalton tattoo on my shoulder if he throws for over 5,000, but you guys have to do it too. No, we don't. Uh, no. What if he sets the NFL record? NFL record for what, most what passing yards if, in a season. What do we get if he doesn't set the record? Well, Sean, you've been talking trash about Andy Dalton for so long that I think you have to be on this bet for uh, just for being a jerk. What do, what do I get? I need, I need, you know, I need something in return. If I'm you don't, sure. then I'll put a sticker on my shoulder of Mitchell Trubisky's face for a month, no. and I'll, and I'll go to Jay Cutler's house and get his autograph for you. Wait, if I, you wait, sir. Wait, wait, if, if Andy Dalton doesn't, whoa, 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 actually, I kind of like this. Hold on. But if Andy Dalton doesn't break the record, you will put a f- sticker of Mitchell Trubisky on your face for a month and go to, and go to Jay Cutler's house and get Sean an autograph. But if he does break the record, Sean has to get an Andy Dalton tattoo. Correct. That's a great bet. Do it, Sean. 
I think John said he's on not, his shoulder, not, not his face. He's not throwing for <laughs> If the sticker is on his forehead and he's not allowed to wear a hat, I would be very much into Sean, it. Sean, Andy Dalton is not throwing for 5,470. My bad, man. There could be a lot of garbage time yards available There's to him. 0% chance. To, you have to take this bet. You'll just get a color autograph out of it. Come on, do it. You're, yeah, not, getting that, you're not getting that tattoo. Come on. He's getting that tattoo. <laughs> that's, that's not worth it. I'm not living under the stress of having to stress watch Andy Dalton in 20 point blowouts in the second quarter. He, he would just need to average 335 yards per game <laughs> for the rest of the season. It's doable. It's doable. This. He can do it. Look at this. Andy Dalton has scared off Sean. He can't talk trash about him ever again. John, you have to take this bet. You got to grow up and take this bet. I'm not. This is. Pathetic. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm afraid of having to get an Andy Dalton tattoo. This is pathetic. You can get it on your back, but it has to be the whole whole width of your back, though. And you know okay, what? They, if, do, we about, what? And if, yeah. if so, if Andy Dalton doesn't break the record, you are putting a a what what sticker? A Mitch Trubisky sticker? I yes. think I think I think you have to give him a Mitch Trubisky sticker. He has to put it on his car for a year. He doesn't have a car. Are you crazy? I don't care about what's on his car. No, I'm going to put it somewhere visible, but not on my face. Right. That's fair. All right, fine. I'll take the bet. Yeah. Oh my God! We are Andy Dalton hey, fans. Hey Breach, I need just. I need. We're gonna check in every week to see how close he is. If Andy Dalton throws for 450 yards next week, oh, you it's over. <laughs> the thing is, they're playing the Niners, so he definitely is gonna throw for 450. You know what's gonna? You know what's gonna happen? You know what you guys haven't accounted for is Dalton's gonna break the record, but in the same season, Mahomes is gonna set the actual record, so then he won't have the NFL record for it. And then we'll have to go and look at the fine print of the bet. That's right. What you have to account for is you're about to get an Andy Dalton tattoo. Hell, meantime, yes. hey, love it. Good job, Sean. Hey, Breach, I need you to start picking up pictures of Andy Dalton that you like just for <laughs> sending them to me so we can talk about him. It's yeah. going to be with his 2014 haircut. That's my favorite Andy Dalton do. <laughs> it's already planned. Awesome. But Sean can actually, like, it's up to Sean. So Sean can get a picture of Andy Dalton getting sacked by J.J. Watt. You know what's going to happen. Like, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is going to be on pace to set the record. And in week 15, he's going to like suffer an ankle injury that keeps him out for two weeks before the playoffs. And then Andy Dalton's going to blow by him uh, the last two weeks. Or Mahomes is going to – the Chiefs are going to quench a playoff berth, and Mahomes is going to sit out the final week, and then Dalton's going to pass him. Oh, man, Sean looks worried. I, lo- I love uh, it. I, I am. This was not good for my stress levels. I don't know why. I got bullied into doing this for the record. <laughs> he has to average 335 passing yards every game the rest he of the He just way. said that right on target. I, 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 I'm repeating it. I'm repeating it to. I Sean. love your, your answer. Is, no, no. I'm just repeating what he said 15 minutes hey, ago. Hey, they're playing the Dolphins, playing the Cardinals, <laughs> the 49ers. I, I know mean, the Steelers. Steve, I, am willing for the, I am willing for the Steelers to go 0 and 2 against Andy Dalton, give up <laughs> 5,000 yards in those two games, and miss the playoffs if it means Sean gets an Andy Dalton tattoo. Over under 16 games in his career that Andy Dalton has thrown for 335 passing yards. I'll definitely take the under on that. Wait, how many? Not, I don't know what the number is, but I would say under. <laughs> oh, okay. Wait, you're asking for how many times he's done his it? career. Over under 16, which is oh. Ooh, under. A great number. Um, so he's been playing since 2011. It's under, Ryan. Everybody knows it's under. Come on. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm looking at it. It's under. <laughs> Ryan's breaking out the spreadsheet. He's I'm doing my math in my head. Over. He's Andy Dalton has 25 games of more than 300 passing yards. How this many? 
How many daytime games do the Spinkles have this season? That's critical. <laughs> all of them except for one. Yes. All of them except for one. <laughs> well, you know what? One bad game is all it's going to take for this to derail, is the thing. Not really. Because if, if he has one 150-yard passing game, then he has to average, like, how many yards? But you know what is the thing? He had never thrown for over 400 yards in a game in his career mm-hmm. until Sunday against the Seahawks. Ter- What's going to happen is – you're going to get if tattoos. If are smart, and if, and if Andy Dalton goes on a little run here over the next few weeks, he needs to, like, approach me and be like, okay, I'll let you out of the bet, but you got to give me, like, $100. Nope. Like, and just <laughs> cash in on, like, my paranoia. No. No way. That's Sean, not worth $100. Bucks, Sean's, Sean would cash out right now for $50. bucks. <laughs> 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 like, you're like, just Venmo me 50 bucks. He's like, okay, man. Uh, look, I'll Venmo me 50 bucks, and I'll get a tattoo of Jay Cutler on my arm. Deal? Deal? You don't need to send me the podcast t-shirt or the hat. <laughs> he's going to tear up the 49ers, too. That's the annoying thing. Is that I'm going to have to endure this next Sunday. I am now an Andy Dalton fan. I am, too. All right, everybody, make sure to tweet at Sean J. Wagner. Every time Andy Dalton throws a big pass, or if you want to during the week and just be like, oh, how, like, what's your, what's your scale of terror here? Um, leave five star reviews. Oh, don't get on there and tell us we've been blabbered for 90 minutes. Come on, guys. Like we, we put 90 minutes of effort in that show. Who's this jabroni that fires up their review? Um, and, uh, coming on Wednesday, the Brady Quinn football show, including, I believe, video with me, Brady and Ryan Wilson. Pretty excited for that. Uh, I will talk to you. We'll talk to you guys. We'll be back together on um, Thursday night, right? Sounds like a blast. See you then.